0: Thing of sun lotion. So go to page1books.com, page one with the number one. So page number one onebooks.com, and check out my page1books summer bundle. Buy it as a gift, at housewarming, if you actually go somewhere, or just give it to yourself. Everybody needs a treat. We've had a long spring. <laughs> page1books.com. Welcome to the third day of my July Book Blast. This is Beach Reads Wednesday, and I'll be releasing lots of episodes this week and next to get all these great beach reads out, and also books that have come out during the quarantine, or books that I think you just need to read at this time. And I just don't want you to miss these authors for any longer. So anyway, here are some great beach reads. Each episode this week will have a book that I think you should curl up with and read if you ever find the time. Amity Gage is the author of three novels—Oma Darling, The Folded World, and Schroeder, which was shortlisted for the Folio Prize in 2014— And now she has just released her latest book, which is called Sea Wife, and has been launched to great acclaim. Published in 18 countries, Schroeder was named one of the best works of 2013 by the New York Times Book Review, the Huffington Post, Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, Kirkus Reviews, the Women's National Book Association, Cosmopolitan, Denver Post, there are like literally 10 other ones, so I'm going to stop. Amity is the recipient of many awards for her previous novels, including Forward Book of the Year Award for 2007. And in 2006, she was named one of the 5 Under 35 Outstanding Emerging Writers by the National Book Foundation. She has a Fulbright and a Guggenheim Fellowship and residencies at McDowell and Yaddo. Her work has appeared in The Guardian, The New York Times, The Literary Review, The Yale Review, and One Story. She lives in Connecticut with her family and teaches creative writing at Yale. Welcome, Amity. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you for
1: having me, Zivy. I'm glad to be here.
0: <laughs> your novel, Sea Wife, by the way, was in the window in the only bookstore I've seen in real life in the last like two months. <laughs> so you got prominent Yay! prominent placement for your beautiful cover. Oh,
1: I, I'm so happy to hear that. It is such a pretty cover. It's like this Robin's egg blue. It's really it kind of sticks out.
0: It does. And it's great. It's like, and it's very
1: peaceful too,
0: even though there's a lot that goes on. (laughs) Yeah. Can you Mm -hmm. please tell listeners what Sea Wife
1: is about? Sure. Yes. It is about a family of four that decides to scrap their conventional life in Connecticut, suburban Connecticut, and go on a boat in the Caribbean for a year. And it's told from two perspectives. And finally, Three. There's the husband and the wife, and then their little daughter who who pipes in towards the end. And it's written in a unique way in that the husband and wife alternate a narration as frequently, sometimes as every other line or every other paragraph. And they're like kind of telling the story together. And as you you realize as as you read on that they're telling the story from different time frames. And it's really kind of Juliet, the, the mother and the wife, the woman, the protagonist. It's really her story. But you don't kind of, there's so much you don't know as the narration starts. All you know is that she's reflecting on their time at sea. And you get to read Michael, the husband's perspective as well, and alternate between the two of them for um, most of the book.
0: And you know that she has a pension for, for closets. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Who doesn't? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she does. She's sitting in a closet at the beginning of the book. And it was just a lot of questions about like, why? You know, you know, she's undergone some sort of loss and her, her children are fine and her mother is there helping. So it's the rest of the story is unpacking what happened as she looks back on the journey.
0: I love how when you were describing how she like lost her closet to begin with, you write, but I am a mother. Gradually, I just gave them all away, all my spaces, one by one, down to the very last
1: closet. (laughs) I wondered, I wondered if you related to that.
0: (laughs) I really, I completely relate to that. I also related when you said about the husband, Michael, Michael, how he was morbidly funny and how he got funnier and funnier, while I, who had been funny, got less funny.
1: (laughs) That was so spot on. (laughs) right? Yes. I know. We used to be funny. I know. What happened? No, it's there. I thank you for saying that. Yeah. A lot of those lines are definitely called, you know, from my own insights or from certainly friends. A lot of this book is based on a lot of inspired by so many conversations with so many women. I've had another, a friend of mine, Susan Choi, who wrote that great book, Trust Exercise. She was uh, and we were, we were talking about Sea Wife and, She found another line a couple of other women have mentioned the one about like, even though we were both educated people and we understood things about gender roles, we just signed up for the same kind of stereotypical gender roles that we thought had been consigned to the cultural ash heap. And she and she and a couple of other women have kind of brought that up. So little nuggets. Throughout the book about you know the uh, to, what how it feels to be in a contemporary marriage to be a woman, a working woman, a mom with um her own ambitions a lot of a lot of stuff about that
0: here's just one more line when you wrote we're just a hyphen between our parents and our kids that's what you learn in middle age, mostly this is something a mature person can live with, but every once in a while, you just want to send up a flare. I too am here. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. I feel I like, also, Amity, yeah. I am now like reading your diary is what's going on here.
1: <laughs> oh, it's so funny. You're picking out a lot of the lines that I definitely really relate to. <laughs> there's a lot of that in there. And, and there's also stuff that I don't, you know, there's stuff that since I had to represent different points of view, like I really had to imagine my way into, especially Michael's consciousness because he's, he's, he's my male character and I wanted to give him a lot of depth. Too. I, the line you just read is from him, so there yeah.
0: We go. Well, <laughs> it's always good to have a, wherever they wherever they appear on the page, we know where they're coming from. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm kidding. right. I'm, obviously, it's fiction. I'm not trying to suggest that this is all what's actually in your head. I'm really just poking no, fun. But.
1: <laughs> let's let's admit it. We always think that the author is the same as the characters. I do too. You know, we often imagine that that they're the same. Of course, of course, they're not. I I, I am not at my My family is all intact, and we never left suburban Connecticut, so (laughs) it's more of an imagination than anything else.
0: But I heard that you did learn to sales that you could write this book?
1: I did. How was that? Uh, That was a nightmare, but I am a better person for it. I, uh, walking that back a little bit, I started with this idea that I really wanted to set a book at sea. I love describing things. I love, I love books with a strong sense of place. And I definitely think that Sea Wife is kind of in that category of like, um, the setting is so important. And so I did my best to certainly learn how everything I could about sailing and about, Maritime life, and I, I interviewed many, many families who live at sea. I visited them, and at a certain point, I, I knew that I needed to. I needed to sail on my own, not on my own, but <laughs> I ended up going to the Caribbean again to Grenada for a ten-day sailing course, which, I mean, frankly, wasn't a lot, but I learned everything that I needed to know about to, to write Sea Wife, which is. Not just how some of those parts of the book of the boat work and sailing is very complex, so I did need to know what a winch and a sheet and the stanchion are, but it was more that I I really needed to feel the wind at sea and hear it and you know, hear it like a whistle in the rigging. I needed to feel what it feels like to try to walk when you're below or try to sleep in a storm. <laughs> All those sensory aspects of things. And that's what I got when I went on that sailing course. And since we did meet some weather, I also really needed that to inform some of the later scenes. Basically the last quarter of the book is one long journey into the middle of the sea. And it was very much informed, very necessary that I went and took that journey myself. And also my characters are really novice Sailors, they're not like pros, <laughs> so <laughs> it helped that I wasn't trying to be an expert about sailing. I they were more like me. Juliet is is more like me in the sense of she's like, okay, I'll do this for you, honey, and I want to try to save our marriage. And I'm depressed myself. I need to have an adventure and maybe try something new. But she's extremely wary and skeptical, and. The, I think the real journey of the book is really hers, you know, which is that she needs to break out of that fear and indecision and fail. And really, that's what she ends up doing.
0: Wow. So your, your structure, as you mentioned before, is complicated in that it's working, like one point of view is at the end after the adventure, one is at the beginning from a different character's point of view then you interweave a third how did you keep that all straight while you were writing like what did your desk look like do you have it all in your head or do you have like <laughs> note cards or how, like how did you how what was the process like for you mm,
1: that is a really good question it it was inc- kind of controlled insanity, I would say. <laughs> I mean, it was like it was definitely my most ambitious thing that I've done, and, I, and not only was it quite difficult to try to write about uh, the sea when I'm not a sailor, but also to structure the book exactly as you said, where it's back and forth in time, and also it also has a, a I think a strong narrative, but it, it has these also moments of meditation where, like, say, one character comes in, or Michael, he you know he he meditates on helicopter parenting. And then Juliet comes and meditates on poetry and, can, you know, women poets. And so it's like, I think I thought of the book, I like the the metaphor of waypoints in sailing. So in, in sailing, there are waypoints, which is just legs in a journey, but sometimes those waypoints are in the middle of nowhere. Because if you're, if you're, you're going to cross the ocean, you still have to kind of aim for something but that point might be just coordinates in the middle of the ocean and it was very similar in writing the book let's let me just get to this waypoint let me get to this waypoint and i'm going to sort of sense or intuit my way from one to the next and kind of hope that we are going towards i knew where i wanted to go but i did not know the waypoints hmm. so i was constantly like you know pushing towards the, towards the final, final goal in the journey, but there was a lot of, of, of movement on the way. And one thing that I, one thing I hope about the book is, is that the reader feels, feels both those things to both the narrative tension in terms of the total journey, which is across the sea, and also the momentum of these waypoints and these these pauses where where one character remembers or reflects on things because those those are also quite important, so as you're reading the book, there's a sense of like forward movement and also pausing, and I think they're both important of course if if somebody wants to read it all in one sitting and just like power through it. I love that. Like, I love the idea that somebody, I've gotten some readers saying, oh, I stayed up all all night or I lost sleep to read this book. I think that's a huge compliment. But there also is, there also are these kind of poetic moments of like stillness in the book.
0: And also with Julia being a poet and having her own poems, that's, it's like perfectly fitting.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. She loves her poetry and she hopes that, I mean, she, she, she's uh, studying it and uh, trying to be an academic, but she also just is a sensitive person hoping to kind of understand her own life experience through poetry, which is, um, which is something a lot of us do. So
0: after you write a book like this, and I know this is not your first novel by any stretch, but I think it's your fifth. Is that, did I get that right? Fifth or your fourth? This is, this is my fourth, yeah, fourth. And I was like, oh, my God, did I write another book? Sorry, I'm sorry. No. I have it in front of me, but I was not. Anyway, no. sorry. Okay, <laughs> you're fourth. But after, <laughs> like, delving deep into, you know, the what happens with a family away at sea and, and really going into the relationships, how do you then go back to your own family? Like, does that make you feel any differently about your own marriage or your own parenting or anything, having examined this other sort of fictitious family's life for a while?
1: Mm, that's a great question for sure. I think I felt, I felt that meditating on my own life and choices throughout the whole process of writing the book because as I was researching, I was meeting families who were living in you know non-traditional ways, and I started out the book thinking, these people are crazy you know as I said, I'm not a sailor, but as time went on, I realized that there was actually I've, I've always admired people who take risks and adventurers and I even if they don't succeed and sometimes especially if they if those adventures don't succeed. And I think I was moved to see these people taking these risks and not not reckless. I mean these are very good sailors. They know what they're doing. The children are extremely safety conscious and everything. And I, I admired them. It didn't make me want to go and <laughs> set sail, but it reminded me how much it matters that a spirit of adventure is in my own life. and and to not live a life out of fear, like it, 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 of course, you don't need to go sailing. It's prove it. But to try to a spirit of adventurousness, even in smaller ways, my own, parent, one great thing they did with me is they were tra- great travelers and we went to some strange places in the world. And that made a huge impact on me because I had a more perspective. I was get out of my narcissistic little box that we're all born in. And that's very valuable. So I want to bring that to my children. I want to be able to have them be brave in and, and nature and, and spiritually. So I do want to do that. And, and then like everybody, I often don't and can't do those things. But it's an aspiration and something to, to keep in mind and and to do whenever possible. Hashtag goals. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I will say, of course, I've learned, you know, I thought a lot about marriage and I might have a beautiful, supportive husband. Nobody ever believes that because i are like these like, stressed marriages in my, my novels. But I would say that, of course, this sense of marital stress and that it's quite common especially i think when children arrive and it hits men and women quite differently the arrival of the children and it is i think it's always so important to remember that the other person is a human being with their own dreams and to try to to honor that each spouse honor that in the other and i think that that's something that you know juliet and michael you know, they fail at, they try, but they don't do it in time. And I guess if there was sort of a message that the book gives, it would be to try to do that while you can, you know, try to love each other while you can, try to communicate while you can, and don't let the past or other wounds kind of rob you of connection with your spouse or with anybody.
0: Do you have any parting advice now that you have... All that relationship advice out there. Any parting advice for aspiring <laughs> aspiring authors?
1: Aspiring authors. Oh my gosh. I teacher, I'm a teacher. I've taught so many years and I love teaching. And I think that aspiring writers should reach out and find community. And they should find some a mentor if they can or peers who are like mentors and get together and celebrate their writing. There is so much genuine community in sharing your work with others and hearing what they say, you know, and it, you don't need to wait for publication for that to happen. It's certainly one of the coolest things about being a published writer is that suddenly that community really opens up and you hear from strangers and that's that's the coolest thing in the world. But until you can get to that place, you still share, share. I think that's what we're, we're looking for recognition from others and to be seen by others when we write our stories. And so don't wait.
0: Oh, I love that. That was awesome advice. Well, thank you oh, so much, Amity. This has been so much fun. I feel like now I want to like go meet you for coffee or something, but <laughs> I know. We'll someday, someday in better yes. times. <laughs> in the meantime, Sea Wife, congratulations. So exciting. Thank and thanks so much for coming on the
1: show. Thank you so much. It was so fun. Okay, have a great day. All right. Okay,
0: bye. bye. Thanks for listening to a Beach Reads Wednesday episode from my big July book blast. I hope you've enjoyed it, and I hope you've enjoyed getting to know some of these amazing authors. Thanks again for listening to my podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you liked this episode, please follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books and sign up for my mailing list at zibbyowens.com so you can always hear about the latest things I'm up to. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much to Page One Books for sponsoring today's episode. I hope you'll all check out my summer beach bundle at pageonebooks.com. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You can always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com.
1: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.